0: Will you pray with me? Gracious and loving God, pour through me, please, the gift of preaching, that these words might not simply be human words or human opinions, but by a miracle of your grace, may they become your living word to us. May they have the power to touch and transform our lives. And we pray, O God, that these words might meet every one of us, every one of us at our point of need. To that end, may these words literally be your word to us, and we know they will be, for we pray with anticipation in the strong name of Jesus, the risen and the reigning Christ, and may all God's people say, amen. Amen. My best friend, Mike, is a junk man. That's probably the best way to describe Mike. Mike is a junk man in that he works for a company that goes to construction sites and office buildings and homes, and he carts away things like box springs and mattresses and broken dressers and broken chairs, things that are too large and cumbersome for garbage trucks to take away. Now, what I find so interesting, though, about Mike and what I really love about him and why he's such a good friend is that Mike has a particular quality and an ability to see through the junk that he collects to what it can become. For example, he can see through a broken dresser where the finish is worn and tired and the hinges are broken and the door is coming off and the knobs are gone. And he can see through it so that with a little sandpaper and a new hinge and a new doorknob that that could become a beautiful dresser once again. And so Mike sees what could be done with a little reclaiming and salvaging. And it's interesting that after Mike finishes his reclaiming and salvaging work, often that dresser is worth more than it was when it was brand new. Now, one evening, Mike and his wife Susan invited my wife Suzanne and I to dinner. And we were complimenting them on their beautiful home and the lovely furniture in their home. And when we complimented the furniture, they kind of laughed and giggled and chuckled a little bit as if they had a secret. And they did have a secret they said actually all of this furniture not all of it but most of it actually was someone's discarded junk and mike saw through it he gave it a little elbow grease and a little sandpaper and a little woodwork and soon that was so beautiful and what happened was mike was able to discard to take that discarded junk and make it into something beautiful make no mistake about it god is like my friend mike God is in the transformation business. Like Mike, God specializes in finding broken and discarded people on the junk heap of life, reclaiming them, salvaging, investing time in them, and then they become something beautiful. God sees through the adversity and pain and brokenness of our lives to the beautiful person that we can become. God loves us as we are, but God doesn't leave us where we are. In a sense, reading the Bible, the biblical story, is like having dinner in Mike and Susan's home. The Bible is a series of stories of how God chose some of the least likely people imaginable, imperfect, problem-filled human beings who became an instrument of God's love. When I was a pastor in New York City, we had a great homeless ministry, and we had a homeless shelter that would house 20 homeless men every night of the year inside in the warmth but we allowed also homeless people to sleep on our steps. It was a great ministry. One of the people who slept on our steps was a homeless man named Joe, and he had been on the streets of New York for 11 years. Through a rehabilitation program that our church sponsored, Joe became free of drugs and alcohol, and and he became a really good person, a, a good citizen, but he still slept on our steps. He was trying to find employment and trying to find work, and One day, Joe started coming to worship, and then he professed his faith in Jesus Christ, and he joined our church, our Presbyterian congregation in New York, and I was so excited about it that I gave Joe a Bible, and I said, Joe, I want you to have this Bible. It's a a Bible for people who've been addicts and alcoholics. It's a 12-step kind of Bible. I think you'll really like it. He said, oh, I've read the Bible, and I don't read it anymore. I don't want that Bible. I said, well, gee, Joe, why not? He said, well, the Bible's all about perfect people. I mean, everybody in the Bible is perfect. They never make any mistakes. And it was then I realized that Joe had never read the Bible. So I decided that I would give him the Bible anyway. I said, Joe, please take this. And he said, well, what do you want me to read? I said, well, why don't you just read Genesis? I knew he'd never read it. I said, why don't you just read Genesis? And he came up to me about two weeks later. He called me Doc. He came up two weeks later. He said, hey, Doc. This book of Genesis, this is phenomenal. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, this is a story about murderers, adulterers, thieves. These are my kind of people. I mean, this is fantastic. God saw through Joe, a homeless person, a drug addict, an alcoholic, to become a member of our staff of Fifth Avenue Presbyterian Church and in charge of our homeless ministry. God is in the transformation business. To the average outside observer, Joe would be one of the least likely people to be in charge of a homeless ministry. See, we see the outward appearance, but God sees the inner state of the heart. God's always seeing through people to who they can become. Now, such is the case with this rich tax collector who Jesus met in Jericho named Zacchaeus. The truth is that if we were to select one of the least likely candidates for God's transformation, it would be Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus got rich by exploiting and cheating people. Let me explain. The Roman system of taxation lent itself to abuse. A tax collector was a Jew employed by the Roman government to collect taxes for the Jewish people. The Roman government would set a fee for a district, and Jericho was a very wealthy district, known for its roses and its balsam wood, and and it was a great trade route going east to west. So they would have set a high price on Jericho. Let's say that it was a million dollars that Zacchaeus had to collect in taxes and give to the Roman government. The abuse was that Zacchaeus could charge anything he wanted. As long as he gave the Roman government one million dollars, they didn't care how much he charged. So he could have charged them 2 million, paid three of his tax collectors $100,000 each and kept the equivalent of $700,000 for himself. Do you see why Zacchaeus was despised and hated? But Jesus sees through Zacchaeus. God sees through people to who they can become. God doesn't see people by the outward appearance or by their life as we often do. God sees the inner state of the heart. And Jesus saw in Zacchaeus a man who was isolated and lonely and broken. He had all this money, all this wealth, and he had nobody with whom to spend it. Nobody wanted to be with Zacchaeus. He was a cheat. He'd exploited people. The people didn't want to be with him. And that's why he climbed a sycamore tree to see Jesus. I wonder if Zacchaeus knew that Jesus chose Matthew as one of the 12 disciples he was a tax collector Matthew was Jesus had a reputation of being a friend of tax collectors and sinners. I wonder if that's why Zacchaeus climbed the sycamore tree to see Jesus. A sycamore tree is a great place to hide, you know. It's got wide, thick, leafy branches. It's easy to climb. He could have gotten up there, this short little man. He could have hid behind the branches and the thick, leafy trees and the branches, and he would not have been seen as easily by people. But he could see Jesus, and he had a good seat to see him. Now, I wonder how Jesus knew Zacchaeus' name. Well, you could say, well, it was by divine revelation. And of course, Jesus could have had a divine revelation and known that was Zacchaeus. But I choose to believe that there was a buzz around town as Jesus is coming in. And the people, I think, spotted him up in the tree. Look, there's Zacchaeus up there. And I think Jesus sees the teachable moment. He knew Zacchaeus was hated. He knew he was a tax collector. He heard people talking about it. So he goes right over to the tree and says, Zacchaeus, come down. And I think the people were licking their chops. He's going to get it now. Jesus is going to get him and punish him for exploiting us. And then Jesus finished the sentence, Zacchaeus, come down, for I must stay at your house today. And the Bible says the crowd was murmuring. Whenever the crowd is mentioned in Scripture, they're either murmuring or grumbling. They're always mad about something. And what they're mad about is Jesus is gonna take this guy seriously. He's gonna go to his home. They're probably gonna have a meal. And they wonder why is Jesus spending his time with this guy who's been exploiting us and cheating us? Wouldn't you love to be a fly on the wall to see what happened between Jesus and Zacchaeus at that dinner or whatever they did in the house? But what do you think happened? Do you think Jesus lectured Zacchaeus on systematic theology? Do you think he went over doctrine and dogma and history and the Old Testament, the Hebrew scriptures? I I think Jesus listened to Zacchaeus. I think Zacchaeus didn't have anybody in his life who took him seriously. I think Jesus asked him questions and Zacchaeus spoke. and, And I think as he spoke, he realized he was in the presence of grace. When have you had a moment of grace in your life. And so after this experience of grace, we don't know what happened. It's a mystery. But the end of it, this is what happened. Zacchaeus said, Lord, behold, Lord, I'm going to give half my goods to the poor. I mean, this is an amazing statement. Half of his goods he's going to give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anybody of anything, I'll restore it fourfold. He went way beyond what the Jewish law required for restitution. And then Jesus, when he says this, issues this incredible statement today, today. Salvation has come to this house, for he also is a son of Abraham. God is in the transformation business. God saw through Zacchaeus to who he could become. I wonder, all saints, I wonder what God sees when God sees through us. Can I be honest enough with you to say that I'm a little uncomfortable with this talk about transformation. Whenever someone talks about transformation or about about salvation, I get a little bit uncomfortable because the truth of the matter is if I'm to be gut level honest with you today as your preacher, that I like to be in control. It's hard for me to let go of control. I like to be in control. Is there anybody here who likes to be in control? Anybody here married to someone who likes to be in control? See, God's work of transformation is a mystery. We try to figure it out. We try to analyze it. We try to make spiritual laws out of it. But Robert Maccabee Brown said the transforming work of God is not a problem to be solved, but a mystery to be wondered. I love that. God's transforming work always takes the person seriously God took Joe seriously when God transformed him from a drug addict into the head of our homeless ministry at Fifth Avenue Church, and God took Zacchaeus seriously. See, we're always afraid God's going to make us into somebody else, but you want to know who God wants us to be? Ourselves. God wants us to be the me, the us, that God created from the beginning of time. But maybe we got off the track and God's trying to bring us back to be who we really are. Because God knows every one of us is unique. But we're uncomfortable. Like Zacchaeus' response, do I have to do exactly what Zacchaeus didn't know? What Zacchaeus did was right for Zacchaeus. What Joe did was right for Joe. What we do, how we respond to grace is right for us but we compare our response sometimes with somebody else's response to grace. It's like the two boys on the railroad track, they were coming home after school, riding their bikes, and they were crossing the railroad tracks with their bikes, and the, the one kid got his pants leg caught in the railroad tie. So he reaches down and tries to get, but he's really stuck, and his bike gets stuck as well, and he's stuck in the railroad tie. The other boy puts his bike down, tries to get him off, and soon the train is coming, and the train sends the whistle, and the train is coming toward the two boys, and they are scared. And the one boy is trying to pull the other boy off of the railroad tracks, and he can't do it. These are little boys, and the train is coming. He's going to hit them, and the train's coming along. And a high school football player on the way home from school, football practice, sees the boy's plight. And he runs over as fast as he can, and he grabs both boys, tackling them, and they roll into the grass on the other side of the railroad tracks, and rolling over and over and over into the meadow, and the train goes by. The one boy is so excited to have had this experience of being saved, he says, whoopee! And the other boy says, that was close. It's interesting, they both were saved, They both had this experience of salvation. Now, people who respond, whoopee, to an experience of salvation are typically Baptists and Pentecostals. (laughs) People who go, that was close, are usually Episcopalians and Presbyterians. (laughs) The problem is that, that we want to compare our response to somebody else's response. The transforming work of God is a mystery. We can't try to figure it out, but God sees through us and our life and our adversity and our brokenness and our uniqueness to who God wants us to become. I close with this thought and I say this tenderly for anybody experiencing adversity or a challenge or a concern or a problem, or is grieving a loss right now. If you're not in that category, you know enough about life to know we will be someday. But here's the point. Oysters are like people. Now hear me out. Oysters get a Piece of sand or a little pebble and it comes under their skin and it is an irritant and it is adversity and it hurts and it stings and it gets under the shell. And when that irritant, when that piece of sand or that little piece of glass or that little piece of rock gets under the shell, it creates a, a problem in there and these antibodies come out. The, this little chalky, white, milky substance. It's like a, a nutrients come with inside the oyster, and they come and they surround. It's white, chalky, milky. It surrounds that little piece of sand or that little piece of glass or that little rock. It surrounds it and it has it all encompassed in the middle of it. Those nutrients were in the oyster all along. Listen carefully. But they were never unleashed until the adversity came. And then the nutrients come and they surround them with this chalky white milky substance and it hardens. And you know what it becomes? It becomes a pearl. Oysters who are perfect are only good to be used in stew. There's a sermon in there somewhere. But oysters who've had adversity can become a beautiful pearl. God is in the transformation business. God sees through our life as it is today. God even sees through our problems and grief and loss and adversity and problems and challenges. God even sees through that to the pearls that we're going to become. I wonder, I really wonder what God sees when God looks through us.